It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Go get it now. Please check out my new nonfiction book, The Mysterious Case of Rudolph Diesel. Publishers Weekly gives the book a starred review, calling it a thrilling investigation and a wildly enjoyable outing. Lee Child says, outstanding and a conclusion worthy of James Bond. Historian Jay Winnick says, equal parts Walter Isaacson and Sherlock Holmes, the mysterious case of Rudolph Diesel, yanks back the curtain on the greatest caper of the 20th century. The book is out now, everywhere you get your books. Please check it out, and I promise you'll love it. Welcome to Dedicated with Doug Brunt. You have just gained access to an exclusive insider's look at the lives and works of some of your favorite authors and hear conversations with the world's greatest writers as they discuss their writing lifestyle, creative process, latest work, and behind-the-scenes revelations. Welcome to Dedicated. I'm your host, Doug Brunt. Today, we're talking with Omar Epps and Clarence A. Haynes. Omar is a producer, actor, rapper, and author. I first saw him in the film Juice, starring alongside Tupac Shakur. I later watched him in the show House, which I was obsessed with, where he was starring as Dr. Eric Foreman, then as Darnell in the hit show This Is Us. He's won so many SAG, NAACP, and other awards that if I list him, we won't have time to talk with him. He's also the author of the memoir From Fatherless to Fatherhood. Clarence Haynes is the author of the nonfiction work The Legacy of Jim Crow and has been an editor for Penguin Random House, Amazon Publishing, and Hachette, all best of the best. Together, Clarence and Omar are out with their second book in the Nubia series. The first was The Awakening, and they're now out with The Reckoning, which is getting great reviews. Guys, welcome. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. So today we're having coffee instead of cocktails for two reasons. One is it's 11.30 in the morning, which by itself would not always be a deal breaker. But the second reason is they are on a big book tour, so we can't send them out to the rest of the day drunk with all this work to do. Yeah. Uh, so, Omar, if I could start with you, mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering how you are pulling this writing thing off. And I, I want to tell a quick story, which listeners to the show know, because Diana Gabaldon was in here a couple months ago and, you know, writing in the same fantasy category where you guys are. And she's often on the set where they're filming the show, used to be filming the show before mm-hmm. the strike. Mm-hmm. And uh, the actors will come over to her and they'll say, Diana, you know, I also want to write. I love it. I just don't know how to do it. Like, what advice do you have for me? And she'll say, well, the the price of admission is you have to just sit down and write. So here's what you need to do. For two weeks, every day, I want you to sit down and write for 10 or 15 minutes. And then come back to me in two weeks and we'll talk again. And you can probably guess what happens. Nobody ever comes back. They don't do it. It's the simplest advice to give, yeah. but hard to take. So how, with all the constraints and demands on your time for other things, how are you doing it? Well, for me... Um it goes way back. I've been writing for as long as I can remember. And I actually 
I've always said that acting came to me because it became an extension of my writing. I was an only child growing up in Brooklyn. And so in my imagination, I, I sort of had to play all the parts of like playing with my toys and who's the bad guy, who's the good guy and stuff like that. And I was writing short stories and poems and dabbled in music. So the I've been writing my whole life. It, it is my, fortunately, my acting career took off so quickly and it's so young and I became busy. And the biggest thing with writing is the time. It's the discipline to sit down and do it. So through the years, I'd write a little here, write a little here. Hey, have to fly off and do this great movie or whatever. And this, just the timing, it was the timing came. I was um, at uh, Jacob Javis not too long ago. Well, a few years back at this book convention mm -hmm. And I was blown away when I saw like all these young people were like flocking to this one writer. And I was like, oh wow, young people still read. That's cool. But I was I was actually surprised because, you know, you know, we're not that old, but we're old enough that like books meant something, going to the library meant something. You couldn't just get it at the like, you know, the tip of your finger, you know, hitting a button on the phone. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was I was actually inspired and I'd been sitting with this idea for some time and I took that as the God wink, like, hey, maybe you need to sit down and actually write this thing and, and see what happens and, uh, and here we are. Nice. Are you always a big reader too? Yeah, yeah, I'm a big reader. That actually depends on my schedule because I'm not a, I, I'm not good at reading and stopping. Like, I'm You're you know up all night. I'm up all night yeah. and or I have to like you know it's I'm gonna get this done in three hours and I have to disappear into it or you know sometimes if it's not the read that you particularly like you just want to get through it out of respect to the writer and figure out what they were trying so to say. When you started writing, you had this idea. How, how, why did you decide to treat it as a fantasy novel as opposed to a screenplay or a TV pilot or something like that? Great question. One, uh, I didn't set out, I didn't even know it was fantasy, sci-fi, young adult. I had no clue about any of that. I always say I'm an ideas guy. I, I had an idea that I was just like, let me keep digging and unearth this thing. And the, the novel form, because the world seemed so big in my head, I knew you couldn't fit that into like a screenplay mm -hmm. or like telling that story in two hours, two and a half hours. It just, yeah. I already knew that. The just fragments of the book. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't gonna work. So for me, from the onset, it was just like, okay, if we're gonna do this, this is actually a book. I'd never written a book. So I was fortunate enough to to partner with Clarence A. Haynes and, and who's written plenty of books. And like, mm -hmm. he was kind of like my coach, like, come on kid, you can do it, <laughs> you know? And, and the framework and things of that nature. And so we just spent hours and hours and hours on the phone talking about you know our ideas the characters the stories and just yeah. trying to like do a lot of the I feel like and I could be wrong about this but like the the actual writing part is sort of easy mm -hmm. it's the heavy lifting is really in like the world building the store making sure that the, the flow of the story is there the science of the story structure is there all, yeah. all of those things you, yeah. know, you know and the characters resonate in a way that makes you feel like you're watching a, a yeah. film or, or something like yeah, that you when, as you're reading it you know what I mean once you get in the flow once you're putting pages on the pile every day it kind of that's when the, the wheels are greased and it's all working but organizing all that up top yeah some of your other writing includes your memoir 2018 from yeah. fatherless to fatherhood now yeah. I think you like as I do have three kids and so yeah. if it's going for you as it's going for me there are moments of awesomeness and other moments of oh my god you yeah. know this is <laughs> what did I so do in the five years <laughs> since your book how's 
fatherhood going? Your lovely wife is also here. Yes, yes. Fatherhood's going great. I mean, uh, they say it's the gift that keeps on giving, and and that rings true. I mean, it's. I think what you just the way you just described it is kind of what it's always going to be, right? It's mm-hmm. like it's awesome, and then an hour later you're like, what's going on, yeah. <laughs> right? To um, are to you raising of, the kids mostly in Brooklyn? As no, actually mostly in L.A. They're LA, they're okay. L.A. kids, so you know I'm a little biased, but because uh, <laughs> I'm a New York kid, but they're great kids, and um, and they're, they're not kids per se anymore. Uh, 24, 19, and 15. So that's. You know they're 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 uh, getting along pretty well. Yeah. But it's okay. it, you know fatherhood has been a wonderful journey and and um, are they following footsteps into entertainment or writing or one of them is um, our youngest daughter she uh, she's a singer songwriter and uh, she she she's got seemed to have the good so we're excited to watch her journey you know blossom. That's great. Yeah. All right, last one for you before I get over to Clarence. Uh, I read that you went to LaGuardia High School, yeah. same school, same year. As uh, as Marlon Wayans, I mean, yeah, yeah. What the hell? That like you two guys. What yeah. what a thing to have you guys walking around the high school hallways together. Yeah, somewhere there are people like I sat next to those guys in chemistry class. Yeah, yeah. That's my brother from another, and uh, we've we grew up together. Basically, we've known I've known Marlon since I was 11, 12 years old, and um, just wonderful memories. You know, yeah. um, I always tell people, and he's the same exact way. It wasn't about money or fame or anything. He's always on. Was he like class clown or? He was more than the clay. Was just a school. Uh, not he. You didn't want to snap, as we say. You didn't want to joke on Marlon because he would eviscerate you, <laughs> and have the entire school laughing at you and the project building next door and the school down the block. Like yeah. <laughs> your whole journey home and the train conductor and the people on the train. Like what it's was, just. What was your reputation? Me, I'm more of a quiet, you know, quiet, you know. Sort of laid back, um, you know. I'm I'm a sniper. I, you know, <laughs> don't mess I'm, with you either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just more of a sniper when it comes to the jokes. But we had a great time, and he's a wonderful human being. And um, you know, we've been fortunate enough to, uh, to sort of ride this uh, magic carpet together. Yeah, uh, it's beautiful to watch. It's yeah, awesome. Thank you. So, Clarence, I have a funny story for you about when I was doing research on you, and you may quickly know where this is going, but I Googled Clarence Haynes, and oh, the first I, thing that comes up is this website, and on it is a video, so I click go on the video, and this very nice man starts talking about Bible passages, and I'm like, all right, okay, nice, you know, and then, like, 10 minutes in, I'm like, I don't think I'm watching the right guy, like, a high-powered Penguin Random editor, like, maybe, but probably not, so I back out, and of course, it's Clarence A. Haynes, and I'm like, aha, now I've, forgot, now I've got him, so... Uh, I uh, who knew the uh, Clarence Haynes category was so crowded? It's it's one of the reasons. Um, growing up, my mother was always insistent that I use my um, middle initial, and um, y- you're not the first person who alerted me that there's a uh, 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 Clarence Haynes who's very much a Bible toting, you know, um, uh, has a big religious or some sort of religious platform, and I was like, okay, I have to, I have to use the uh, gotta, middle initial. Gotta go with that advice. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, but I did find lots of great stuff on your bio, uh, oh. Columbia. Yes. Is that right? And it's, I thought I saw at some point 
Berlin, but maybe and then I couldn't recreate where I saw that. Is there also Berlin in your background? So I um, lived in um, Berlin uh, for a few years, actually. They have a special uh, visa program for people who work in creative industries um, that if you fit certain qualifications, you can legally reside there while continuing to, to do your thing. And so I, I'm a native New Yorker. I've lived here for most of my life. I needed a change. And so um, I was in Berlin for about uh, three to four years um, and got stuck over there during the pandemic. And so actually, um, Nubia, the, the Awakening, the first book, was written while I was um, over there. Oh, and thus, wow. when Omar spoke about us being on the phone for hours, um, I was I was yeah. in Berlin. I have you know? a process section I want to get into that mm. with you guys. I'm very interested in how the collaboration all worked. Uh, how'd you get into writing and publishing? Um, I have always been an avid reader. Um, I started off as a kid with comics. I'm actually a big advocate for comic books being a way for um, folks to get into to reading. I, I think mm -hmm. particularly for boys, mm -hmm. a lot of times it's 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 their thing. Um, though it's for everyone, um, obviously. Um, and it's it's just something I followed my passion. Um, uh, upon graduation, undergrad, I was either going to to go into psychology um, or uh, publishing media and publishing media felt like it was more my personality and yeah. so I've always been a, a huge fan of sci-fi fantasy varieties of speculative fiction um, even though Omar has been great to say I've I've written tons of books that's not technically true I've edited um, tons and tons of books and uh, you know working with him on this project it was just a natural extension of what I love okay. so I noticed on Twitter, Avitas Creative is following you. Is that your agent? You that's um, <laughs> that's uh, Omar's uh, the, uh, agent. I'm along for the ride. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> the co-pilot, uh, as he likes yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Taz, a the wonderful man. Wonderful so you mentioned man. him in the, uh, in the acknowledgments here. Yeah. I've, I've known him for a long time. He's a great guy. Great guy. All right, so before we get into the actual process of how you did this, how did you guys meet and hook up first and get started? Shouldn't okay. Um, uh, so a uh, a publish like the, this is like the newlywed question. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a publishing um colleague of mine who again knows that I'm a big sci-fi fantasy um person. Um, it was I she might know Todd or someone at um uh the agency. Mm -hmm. Um, she knew Omar. Um, needed a co-writer and Krishan um, Trotman, who's over at uh, uh, she runs uh, the imprint Legacy Lit uh, over at Hachette Book okay. Group. Um, she's the one who said, "I you think guys, you two, uh, yeah, yeah, would be a great match." So, cool. so when you were writing it, and now like fully in the process section, when you were writing it, did you complete an outline ahead of time and then sort of write off the outline, or you, you guys dove in? Um, I kind of had a well, for me, I had a a rough. Again, I'd never been through the process before, so I just do what I do is like get the idea out. So I sort of built this mythology, and and uh, that was actually quite detailed. And then we're like, you know, okay, well, we need a proposal. And I'm like, what's a proposal? <laughs> you know, what does that mean? And there's all some sample chapters, and I'm like, that's kind of not how my creative process works. Like I I did all this stuff. I can explain it to you now. You want me to get it out, and then mm -hmm. we're like, y you need to get it out. So. And again, then Clarence and I would I worked on it a little bit enough to by the time we partnered up, it was kind of like, OK, let's like get it fleshed out in yeah. you know, in the language that they normally are used to seeing. And um, and then yeah, with weird for me, too, on the nonfiction side, it was, you know, out out sample chapter, just thinking of a sense of the writing and an right. outline and the characters and the research. And, you know, it's like a fairly standard kind of thing. People are 
right. looking for. But it's a you know that can be a useful process to help structure the thinking a little bit too. And yeah. it was um, pretty um, um, detailed um, in terms of what Omar had. You know, one thing I, I'm always sure to point out to everyone is that all of the core ideas around the concept of what Nubia was, who the main characters were, what this um, uh, future New York would look like, um, what the powers would be, what their names would be, yeah. all came from Omar. Um, and, and, that, and there's a lot of research now, because I know you guys deal with AI and you deal with anti-gravity tech that's you know enabling mm -hmm. some of this stuff. And there's a, like, actually a few months ago, we had Marlon James on the show, if you know him, like a terrific, talented writer who's written, uh, you know, also fan, a little more grim, maybe, than yours? Just, <laughs> just, a, just a bit. I, I love his, um, the but book of, of Night African Women. Mythology, yeah. other mythologies, right. and, like, there's real, like, a broad scope of stuff that's, like, coming into the book, which you guys are doing the same thing, mm. which I love. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Stock have too high a price? Buy a slice. Trade fractional shares of your favorite U.S. stocks and ETFs in any dollar amount you choose with zero commissions online. Get started at fidelity.com slash stocks by the slice. Fractional share quantities can be entered to three decimal places if the value of the order is at least one cent. Dollar-based trades can be entered to two decimal places. Sell orders are subject to an activity assessment fee from one cent to three cents per $1,000 of principal. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. How did the writing process go in terms of were you alternating chapters or you'd write a chapter and you'd review or vice versa? Or was it like Google, like a shared Google Docs thing you guys could both go into? Sure. Um, so it was a matter of working together on crafting um, the prose. And so a lot of times it'd be like, let's sit with this particular chapter or chapters and sections, um, hammer out what what we think it should be get it to our editor get feedback all right sit back together on the phone yeah. <laughs> um, you know and look at a shared document and 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 just talk and figure out what we needed um to figure out um i try to be as um 
having a background in editing, I felt like my job is, was to be as deferential as possible um, to Omar and to really honor his vision. Mm-hmm. And so um, even though Omar often likes to point out that I was a Debbie Downer in terms of often saying, no, we can't do that. <laughs> no, we can't do that. <laughs> no, we can't do that. I did try my best to, to sort of um, provide ideas mm-hmm. And and give my my honest feedback and then step back where I could. So piggyback on that real quick. It wasn't that uh, Clarence was Debbie Downer. It's, it was me learning, you know, the format of, of of writing in a novel. And then within that, it is a particular genre. Like all of this stuff is just, you know, I'm just like, let's be creative. And he's like, yeah, we kind of can't go that far. And and Omar of, never know. runs out of ideas. That's something <laughs> never. Yeah. Never, I've never experienced anything <laughs> like Omar I wonder, and his, I, I'm and glad his you know imagination. What was too far because in sci-fi 2098, like you can go pretty far. Like, what was that about? <laughs> yeah, but but because we are essentially, obviously, the book is for everyone, but we're we're sort of catering to a, a specific age demographic. Mm, so see, yeah. certain verbiage, or you know, you know, maybe even sexual innuendo, things of that nature, which may sort of be normal in watching in real life and reality television and something like that but reading it on the page it comes off to the mind a little bit more uh harsh and clarence was great for me just in terms of not so much reining in but again sort of chiseling the 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 coal off of the you know the diamond as it were like you know that's really what i really learned a lot from clarence was about the justification of said idea right this is a great idea but in the scheme of what we've built, how does this piece fit and relate to yeah, these 15 to other the pieces? Yeah, the thing and, going forward. Yeah. And I can tell you as a science fiction um, fantasy person, we are sticklers for cohesion and details. We are sticklers for you said this in chapter <laughs> right. four and, and chapter 22, then how would that make sense? Right. And so that was always always something that I felt like we just always had to, to really be cognizant right. um, in terms of the systems we presented and the world building and such. So well, that, This is a good leaping off point to talk specifically about the books. I've got the paperback of The Awakening here and the hardcover of The Reckoning, the second one. So The Awakening was fall 22, the follow-up fall 23, here we are. Um, Kirkus says, it a future of promise, danger, and self-discovery epic fantasy stories so it's really I'll, I'll set it up then maybe you guys can tell us a bit more about the book but there's a, a fallen African utopia this begins in the year the future year 2098 as I mentioned there's AI and anti-gravity tech uh, three main characters from Nubia who develop special powers can you guys tell us more about the themes and, and what you're going for in the book yeah, for sure. So, um, very nicely said, by the way, uh, sort of setting up what the book's about. But, you know, it it, it follows, Nubia follows these three teenagers who are um, sort of, um, uh, not displaced, but they're, they're in a land that's foreign to them, um, in what we're calling the new New York in 2098. And they're just awkward, going through adolescence, trying to figure it out. And they each start to, uh, th- these powers start to sprout now they have no connection to what's happening they don't quite know what's happening and backstory of that being that nubia was once this utopian um island nation where the people who existed there were in such balance with the land and their surroundings that they were each bestowed with powers powers being whether you take the mind to metaphysics they they, if we only use what nine percent of our brain they 
other doors were opened up <laughs> mm-hmm. that that, uh, that human beings have available to us. We just haven't tapped into. So the entire society was like that. The island ended up being destroyed. They were displaced, and these this generation of teenagers, the their powers are starting to sprout. The parents had thought that those things died with the land, so they're trying to figure it out. At, and figure out their place in this new society, which seems to look down upon them. The one we we tried to, we thought a lot about, though the story takes place in the future, what are those themes that seem to be common within the human experience? So I like to call them the isms, whether it's, you know, obviously racism, classism, sexism, all of those isms. It's interesting that the further you go back, the more you see they're still there, Mm -hmm. right? So kind of the time frame is sort of a, a misnomer if you will doesn't matter if it's 100 years from now because 100 years ago we were still dealing with the same things and so are these kids and then it's like well what are they going to do and this is where we get into the second book is now that they know they have some form of idea of what's going on to them what are they going to do with this new information mm-hmm. and these new abilities will they use them for you know positive or the other way around it's great. I, I I love all great fiction, and this is no exception. The author taps into that innate creativity that every five-year-old on the planet has, and that every not every adult is able to hang on to through distractions or stress or obligations. By the time you're forty or fifty, most people lose it, you know. But the best can still like get into that five-year-old place where you're talking to imaginary friends in the next room or something. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's that's. I think that's part of just being uh, an artist, right? There's a great saying I read that says, "Always stay childlike, mm-hmm. not childish." So it's it remind that saying comes up when you said that five year old, because I mean that's the fun part of life is like we're always looking through that lens of of discovery. Yeah, you know what is that thing? How did it get like that? What is this? And if we when we lose that interest for whatever reason, it just seems. That existence is mundane, at least through my my yeah. eyes. It's one know? of the great things about having kids too, because you'll see them marvel at something, and then I'll marvel at them marveling at it, like, "Oh my god!" I right. Understand. So <laughs> right. you know, for us, it's like we'll have to wait for grandkids to like recapture that again. You know, our right. kids will now beyond marveling at little things anymore. But so I've also read comparisons of this book series to Divergent, Black Panther. What about any book to film possibilities down the line, or discussions of that at all? And this this we can talk about SAG strikes and things, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the I mean, that is the plan, essentially, um, uh, beyond the book itself, is that there is so much more story to unearth. Um, Something that I I never really um, considered um, from a creative standpoint was the audience's response and how that could potentially affect other ancillary stories within the universe i never that's not it just never computed to me that oh if people respond really highly to this this character over here that maybe i was looking at like oh they're they're supporting character it's like no maybe they you need to ramp that up a little bit and that's interesting to me that's sort of fun that that makes it like um a real time sort of thing so i i mean i have concepts out the wazoo of how this could play on as a TV series, how it could play as a franchise, you know, a feature film thing, how animation, um, mm-hmm. video games, all sorts of, the whole gamut runs through my brain. It's just yeah. about, all right, that sounds great. Let's focus in on the task at hand, which is 
this book series. Yeah. Well, that when that's also going to get into a sphere. You know, you may not know the book proposal. Well, you do now, but you did a couple years ago. But right. the, you know, putting this to book to film is certainly something you know a lot about. Yeah. So I do a lightning round at the end of the show, and this, you know, lately I've been giving it to authors ahead of time, just because I think half the time they get to the elevator and like, damn, I wish I thought of that other story. That would have been more <laughs> funny. But before we get there, um, any thoughts on the strike? Is this thing ever going to end? Apparently it is. I mean, not the um, SAG part. The only thing I know is they're going to end. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see what happens the day after that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So to the lightning round. Uh, we go in either order, but questions are for both of you. Your favorite book as a kid? Super Fudge <laughs> by Judy Bloom. Uncanny X-Men. Okay. I knew you were going to say X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the book or books, I know you guys are slammed with book tour stuff, but the book or books you're reading now? Oh. I just got inundated with a bunch of them, so <laughs> I don't want to name one over the other. I'm going to shout out um, Chain Gang All-Stars. I've gotten. I've received a lot of them too, but that's one. Okay, I, I, that one's on my uh, mantle. I'm hoping to have him on my show. He's um, a great guy. Yeah, <laughs> um, the, and that book did extremely well. I think. Yeah, longlisted national well, book yeah, awards yeah. and selling. It's like hitting on both yeah. both uh, barrels. Uh, so I often I will ask people on this show, what is the least attended book event you've ever been to? I'm not sure that one's going to apply in this case. I think you probably have pretty good attendance wherever you go, but. I'll adjust to strangest moment or strangest question at a book event. Mm, that's a good one. Um, so a strange thing um, that uh, has happened more than once, actually, is that um, people um, think that there's a, an author with the same name as me. And so they don't relate. They don't think that I've actually written a book. They just think there's some guy with... <laughs> This Name is the Omar Epps was problem, right? Yeah, yeah. There, there is only one Omar Epps, the one and only. Someone, someone Liz literally said, "Oh, oh, so there's wow, there's another Omar Epps who's also a, a writer." And I had to tell them, I was in the restaurant. No, no, it's the Omar Epps that you're thinking of, who is all has done a book, um, and they're like, "Oh, like that's <laughs> funny." Yeah, it's pretty cool though, but no, uh, it's me. <laughs> uh, last two, if you could have one superpower. What would it be? The superpower question. The superpower question. We should have prepared that one. We, we should, should know. Have <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I just be in your wheelhouse. Like, uh, I will say, I'm going to entice people to read the book. Um, Uzochi's um, superpowers. All right. Yeah, to all be to be discovered when you read the book. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and Omar, I would say, hmm. My superpower, I'd want my superpower to be the whatever I'm feeling in that moment. So my superpower itself is fluid. Hey, <laughs> whatever. there I is need. no one thing. Right. It's, Unlimited genie wishes. So I get to just yeah, there do you whatever go. I Unlimited need. genie wishes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And last question. One piece of advice for listeners. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, take time for yourself. Be true to yourself and see what comes as you do so see what see what arises i love it yep mine um i'd say lead with love or try to lead with kindness and um realize that no matter what walk of life you come from we all we have more in common than not so just lead with kindness and and um and life will be kind to you that's great guys thank you so much that was really great thank you thank you thank Thank you. you If you enjoyed this podcast, please download, rate, subscribe, write a comment. Let me know the authors you want to hear from. I read all the comments. Thank you. 
it's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash grad admissions. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.